Welcome to the podcast for Epworth United Methodist Church in Berkeley, California. Our podcast blends a taste of the music that we experience here in worship on Sunday mornings, along with the scripture reading and a message. We would love for you to take a next step in growing in faith in this community. If you are here in Berkeley, Epworth's worship is at 10 a.m. on Sunday mornings at 1953 Hopkins on the corner of Napa and Hopkins. Or if you connect with our podcast from further away, we would invite you to visit our website, epworthberkeley.org. We'd invite you to keep seeking to grow in faith and to stop by the next time you're in Berkeley. Tanisha, and this scripture will be read by Matthew. Will be read by me. <laughs> but the scripture is Matthew chapter twenty-two, fifteen through verses fifteen through twenty-two. Then the Pharisees met together to find a way to trap Jesus in his words. They sent their disciples along with the supporters of Herod to him. Teacher, they said, we know that you are genuine and that you teach God's ways as it really is. We know that you are not swayed by people's opinions because you don't show favoritism. So tell us what you think. Does the law allow people to pay taxes to Caesar or not? Knowing their evil motive, Jesus replied, Why do you test me, you hypocrites? Show me the coin used to pay the tax. And they brought him a a denarian. Whose image and inscription is this? He asked. Caesar's, they replied. Then he said, give to Caesar what belongs to Caesar and to God what belongs to God. When they heard this, they were astonished and they departed. Holy wisdom, holy words. Thanks be to God. They come and they try to trick Jesus. The Herodians who believed the tax should be paid and the Pharisees who believed that it might be a sin to do so. And they bring the question to Jesus trying to entrap him. Is it lawful to pay the tax to the emperor or not? And Jesus asks, whose image is on that coin? Caesar's. Well then, Jesus says, render unto Caesar what is Caesar's and unto God what is God's. It's not just about the money, but as one writer put it, the stuff of earth competes for the allegiance we owe only to the giver of all good things. The theme of this first week of our stewardship series is looking back. Looking back at this wonderful life and considering the wonder and the fullness of the lives we live, the wonder and the fullness that has brought us to this place. But to begin with, the scripture seems like a dangerous place to me because it begs a difficult question. If we're honest, we have to answer the question, when have we ever truly rendered unto God what is God's. Every April 15th, using some great and terrible arithmetic, we render unto Caesar what is Caesar's, and then from what is left, we render unto God a portion. 
And yet we're called to give our whole selves to God. Everything that we have, everything that we are, is God's. There's a reason there are no itemized deductions on your pledge form. (laughs) This scripture and stewardship time in general highlight the difficult and and often discomfortable, (laughs) uncomfortable um, relationship we have between money and empire and faith and the kingdom of God. I'd like you to turn to your neighbor and share with them the amount of the adjusted gross income from your 2018 (laughs) federal income tax filing. I think three people just passed out. Money comes with shame. It really does. It comes with shame. If you ain't got any, you feel ashamed. If you have a lot of it, you feel ashamed. If you have just enough, maybe you don't feel ashamed, but you still don't want to talk about it. Well, it's stewardship season, so buckle up. We're going to talk about it. As a body of believers united in mission, we ought to be able to, we have to be able to, talk about the difficult topics that the world doesn't want to. Money being one of them, and it behooves us to understand how together our shared resources enable us to do the things that we individually are unable to do, to reach the people and the places in the world that need God's love that we can't reach on our own. Through our prayers and presence and gifts and service and witness to bring about the kingdom of God right here in the city of Berkeley, California. This week we're looking back. And when I look back, there's a person I want to tell you about, this old woman, and it's not Grandma Flo. (laughs) I want to tell you about Betty Barnhart from Darbyville, Ohio. She's an integral part of who I am. She's part of the reason that I'm in the church today. She was a member of our church back home. And I couldn't venture to guess her age. When I was a kid, everybody was either roughly my mom's age or 100 years old. And Betty was closer to the latter. She never married and she had no children. She never had a driver's license. She didn't have a Facebook account or or a Twitter account. She left no digital footprint. The things they tell us live on in perpetuity. I'm not sure that even a photograph of her remains. And after my generation is gone, those who grew up with me, my sisters and my cousins and those who grew up with me in the church, it's quite possible that no one in the world will remember Betty Barnhart at all. Maybe no one will remember that she existed, and that sounds pretty bleak. But the truth is, I would not be me if it weren't for Betty Barnhart. She never did anything for me necessarily. She wasn't helpful to me in any particular way. She wasn't necessarily encouraging voice from the sidelines. She was really quite a cantankerous old woman, actually. (laughs) And I remember as a kid in church, the only indication that it was safe to greet her during the passing of the peace was whether or not she was wearing her bright red lipstick. That alone was a sign to the world that she was in a mood good enough to engage. And I loved her. I just really loved her. I looked forward to seeing her every Sunday morning, and I don't know why. She was just part of us. And even as a kid, I had a deep sense that we couldn't be us without Betty Barnhart or without Bill Crump, who you may remember from one of my first sermons I ever preached here, my dad tried to raise from the dead. 
Sister Erlene from the trailer park who used to stomp the floor when the mice got into her kitchen and Sister Hallie who practically screamed the hymns and played the piano using only the black keys and as few white ones as possible. <laughs> and looking back now, these people seem so strange and eccentric and worlds away, but to me they were the church. And I loved them and they loved me and we were the church and we had church. And as I look back on my wonderful life, there's not one single person in that little congregation in Darbyville, Ohio, that I could have done without. But why bring Betty up now? You see, one of the things that Jesus points to in his comment, render unto Caesar the things that are Caesar's and unto God the things that are God's, is the dichotomy between Caesar's empire and God's kingdom. Where the empire is all-consuming, God's kingdom is all-encompassing. Where the empire is about scarcity, the kingdom is about abundance. The empire's cold, hard cash bears the image of Caesar, but in God's kingdom, every single thing in the created order bears the image of Almighty God. The empire, the state, remembers Betty Barnhart as a nine-digit code a tax-paying unit now deceased. But the church remembers Betty as a beautiful story. She's born again in the hearts and minds of a hundred new people this morning. And that's the power of the church. Render unto God what is God's. Jesus always points us back to the thing that matters. People matter. All the beloved children of God matter. It's not about the money. It's about what we're able to do with the money. It's about the ministry that comes, that flows out of our being together. And think about that here at Epworth. How our kids and our youth are experiencing the church. How they're growing up in their homes and families, they're also growing up in this community. How each person here is part of their burgeoning definition of what the church is. They're seeing how different people from different walks of life, different socioeconomic conditions, cultural traditions are woven together. Now, we may not be a fine French tapestry. We might just be a patchwork quilt. But I know this, on a cold winter's night, nobody reaches for a fine French tapestry. <laughs> I've had this great blessing in the recent weeks of being part of these welcome dinners I keep being welcomed to Epworth and welcome back to Epworth, and it's really wonderful. I'm meeting a lot of new people. And there's something really powerful about sitting around a table at dinner, hearing everyone's story. That happened in the Bible somewhere. Jesus sat with some people, and he heard stories too, right? It's powerful. I, I wish that we all could have that experience all the time. I think there's a, that's sort of a microcosm that happens in coffee hour. We're able to learn what brought you here. Where do you hear God calling you from this place? I think it's powerful. I hope that we, I hope that we as a community could commit to, uh, to dining together and discerning through that time where God might be calling us. Stewardship is about a lot more than the money. Now, it's about the money, too. We're going to need your pledge forms when the time comes. <laughs> but it's about all the ways that we give ourselves to the gospel the ways we bear witness to the life of the world, the, the ways we share uh, with those who are hurting in the world, 
It's about the unique experience of the Christian community. An old gospel song said, roll back the curtain of memory once again. Show me where you brought me from and where I could have been. Remember, I'm human and humans forget. So remind me, remind me, dear Lord. I invite you this week to look back, not just on where God brought you from, but where God has brought you through. I think through is a much more interesting adjective than from. People who have come through something are often more interesting those than those who have just come from somewhere. And maybe you're out there going through something right now. Whatever it is, being a part of community means you don't have to go through it alone. As you look back with gratitude, notice those Betty Barnhearts in your life. Consider who has blessed you. Who's blessing you now without even knowing it? Maybe let them know it. Consider how you're being called in stewardship. Your pastors are here to help you discern your callings in ministry in all of its forms. When we look back on this wonderful life full of beloved community, may we see love and liberation and life in abundance. May we find ways to render unto God the things that are God's and to pay forward the goodness and the unmerited grace that we have received. May it be so.